Welcome to Rogue Bows, the basketball series. Myself, Mike Procopio. Back to the boring old intros. A lot of good feedback for you, Pro, with your intro, man, I must really? say. Yeah, man. They, the, the people loved it. Hey, give the people what they want. Folks. Okay, we'll alternate. You'll do it next no, no, week. No, 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 no. I'm just saying in general, give the people what no, they no, want. No, no, we'll alternate. Oh. We'll give them what they want. Next, You, you do it next nice. week, and then I'll do it the week after, and we'll we'll tag team it. Um, but they, they liked it, you know? And, and I didn't give Pro... Uh, any time to prepare that was a beautiful thing I just told him you're doing the intro this week and he's like what the fuck so worked out well hey anything for the show brother because if we really gave the people what they want I'd be getting punched in the dick every week <laughs> you can get Chris Paul to do it um, alright let's get started man let's get started Phoenix Dallas just wrapped up we, we both watched I watched a bit of that towards the end um, I followed this series uh, as much as I can uh, with all the traveling I've been doing with the NBA and stuff but um it was, it was, yeah, it's 2 2. Um, Dallas have held home court, so we all know a series doesn't start until someone loses home court. Um, first two games were pretty dominant by the Suns in Phoenix. They weren't, both games weren't really that close. Um, the second one finished a bit closer scoreline wise, but they, they weren't really close, in my opinion. I don't know what you think, but they were, Dallas just seemed like they, were, they weren't really that. They had a couple of chances, maybe late in game two, where if everything went perfect, but for the most part, I thought Phoenix handled that. Uh, Pretty pretty well. Um, it was a Lucas show in Game Three. I mean, he was he was amazing. Um, he's he's averaging, you know, around thirty five. I haven't looked it up since the last game, but he was he was at thirty five point five before Game Four, so he'd be at thirty four because he had twenty five tonight on fifty forty and seventy percent clips. Um, I feel like both teams have, have had balanced attacks from different players in different games, and that's a playoff series, pro right? Like it's you're gonna have someone step up that's not kind of. Point one, two, three on a scouting port, and that's how you win these series. And for Dallas today, it was Finney Smith, right? Like he, offensively, with all due respect, he'd probably be fourth, fifth, sixth on their totem pole. They'd probably just be like, "Hey, get a hand up on his three, and that's about it." Goes eight for twelve from three today in Game Four. Um, amazing shooting the ball, and, and we talk about Brunson getting paid, but you know, he's once his deal's up, I don't know what he, what's. It, do you know what his deal is, bro? No, he just did the extension. Oh, he did shit, it. He, he did, did yeah. it about a month ago. That's right. Uh, Fifty-five million. Four yeah. years, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. So I mean, they, they they did a good job with that. They got they smart got him move because he would be yeah he'd yeah. be he'd be up there in the eighties I think um, if he was a free agent going into to the off season. Mm-hmm. But I think the Mavs were, were pretty much balanced, real balanced today. I mean, Luca didn't have his best game offensively, but still carried him for the most part. Um, but like I said, Finney Smith, their bench, Dinwiddie, Kleber's been big for him. He's shooting the piss out of it from three. Um, so I like that. CP 3s had two stinkers, pro. Uh, you don't you don't often say that about CP three, but game three. Something you don't see very often, more turnovers than assists, seven turnovers and four assists in game three. And kind of the same today, uh, not as many turnovers, but he only shot four field goals. He had five points, seven assists and six fouls. Fouls out at the start of the fourth quarter. Booker carried them today with 35. He's been pretty solid for the series for the most part. Um, it's been a flopathon series, bro. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that, but you know. Today was out of fucking control. Oh, man. Today was out of, uh, both teams, totally yeah. out of fucking control. And, and Lucas, Lucas, Lucas. He's a very smart player and he, he's doing it a little bit now. He kind of always has that tendency to throw his head back with contact, um, but he's doing it. Uh, CP3 does it every other possession. Booker's doing it. like So it's become 
who can sell the referee the most. And you, you hate watching it. I saw people talking about it online and it is, it is shitty. It's a shitty way to play basketball, especially in the playoffs. I hope the referees adjust for game five and let the, let the grown man play. And if, if you're going to flop, you just fall down and we're playing on. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking like it's going to go the distance. Um, what, what we're going to do probably is we're going to reevaluate our picks and, and, and we're going to go whether you stick with your picks or you jump ship. So I had 4-3 Phoenix. You had 4-2 Dallas. Um, I assume we're both going to stick it out. I'm going to stick it out 4-3 Phoenix. What do you got? Give me your break. Give me your stick or jump ship. Are you sticking with your pick? And then give me your uh, rundown of the series so far. Yeah, a thousand percent. I'm, I'm sticking with my pick. I, I think that Dallas is just too close together. They're just close-knit. Benches pulling for each other. I think everybody knows their role. No one is trying to play out of that role. I think the, the only thing that has to be solidified and it's a game-to-game basis is who's the second best player on the floor? Is it going to be Brunson? Is it going to be Dimwitty? Is it a collective unit of like Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleber and Bertans making shots? Like, I think they just got to figure out what that combination is going to be. But I think Dallas, I, I think Phoenix, I mean, look, Phoenix has all the firepower in the world to, to win this series for sure. I just think Dallas, the way they're playing, the way they're guarding people, um, I it's hard though. They got to win obviously in Phoenix to, to do that. But I think Luca right now in the, in the playoffs right now, I don't think there's a player that can impact winning better than him on any team from any player that's, you know, that's in the series and in any series that's alive in the playoffs right now. I think that he gives you a chance to win every night. And what he does is, you know, you try to shut him down. He'll just pick you apart and just hit, you know, he knows where and when to give it to his teammates. I think. I think it's. Uh, I think it's still their series to win. You know, their win. Their series to win for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing is, it's, it's it hasn't been swinging. It's just been home court dominance, right? So I think both teams mm-hmm. have held home court pretty dominantly for the most part. Um, I think it could come down to home court. That's kind of why I had it four three. I but do. I, I think I agree with you though. If, the, if Dallas are going to win, it has to be four two. They have to steal. They have to yes. steal five and get six. If it goes seven, it's probably weighing more towards Phoenix because their their fans and their arena is rabid as well. So uh, seven on the road, seven, try to win a game seven on the road is almost impossible. Not impossible, yeah. but almost impossible. Yeah. Yeah, unless you're the Golden State Warriors and you're up three one with with Bogues in the team. <laughs> wah, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But no, nah, this has been a great series. This is what this is what player basketball is. The adjustments. Um, I noticed. We'll, we'll touch on it in a stat later, but. Um, you know, they, they, the Phoenix Suns were, were picking on Luka Doncic in the first couple of games. Even in the last couple, they just didn't get it done in the last couple, but putting him in a lot of actions. Dallas have now started picking on Cam Johnson whenever he's in the game, um, getting him involved in a lot of the plays. They figured out he can't stay in front of any, anybody. So for the fans watching, you know, these, as these series evolve into three, four, five, six, seven, you're going to see different adjustments. And like we said, it's going to take a guy that is averaging 10 to, to make 20 to get your team to win sometimes. And they're also going to pick on guys. That's You can't hide in the playoffs. You can't – there's not a feet set shooter that just doesn't move, that stands in the corner that you can hide your poor defender on because now they're just putting them in the pick and roll. They're going to get you on the ball somehow. And most teams switch one through five for the most part, especially in crunch time, which is kind of silly in a way, pro, because if you do have a bad defender out there, the one through five kind of kills you because – they, they know you're just going to easy switch it and then they can go one-on-one against your poor defender. In those circumstances, I would you know sometimes think about blitzing and just getting the ball out of that star player's hands like a Luka Doncic, but Phoenix just stubbornly wouldn't do it. They just they continue to one-through-five switch and let, let Luka go to work and create and get, get his assists and get his 
a foot in the paint. So interesting series. Looking forward to that one. But uh, we'll see how that goes. All right, Milwaukee and Boston. Uh, currently, Milwaukee are up 2-1. Giannis, Giannis, Giannis. I mean, we, you know, I kind of said at the start of this series, even though I picked uh, Boston, that Giannis will get him two games at least just on his own back, and he already has. <laughs> he's a fucking mm-hmm. monster. Like he, you know, what he's done in this series so far, he has 42-12, and 42-12 and 18 game three. You know, very important game for them. Uh, fantastic series so far for him. Loving the way he's playing. They just don't have an answer for him. Um, they, they they try to go to Grant Williams a little bit and have him be physical, but he's just too small. Uh, he's physical, but he's too small. And, and Giannis can just move laterally and he's Euro and now his touches, he's, he's pretty good. He's shooting the free throws a little bit better uh, in the last game. Um, Tatum, I think, is not having a great series, even though he's averaging 20 a night, but 35% from the field and 36 from three with 3.3 turnovers a game. That's not going to get it done, pro. He's there. You know, Brown's kind of holding steady. He's doing his job, but I think Tatum's going to lift a little bit offensively for him. Um, Drew Holiday has increased his aggressiveness offensively, which we don't see that often from him. Um, not great clips, uh, but he's, he's noticeably, you know, I think they've had a conversation with him with Middleton out. We, we need you to... We can't have you shooting six or seven field goals for the game. And, and he shot 30 of them last game, um, and he's going to have to continue to do that. So he's, 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 he's ratcheted up the aggressiveness. He's 23-7-5 and five with three steals uh, in the last game, which was really good for them. But um, I was f- – we'll both 4-2 for Boston. Stick or jump ship? Oh, man, I think I'm going to jump ship. I'm going to say it's going seven. Um, and I'm, I'm going to flip. I'm going to go Milwaukee. I'm going to go Milwaukee. I think um, – Boston's just, unless they make a massive adjustment defensively, they, they kind of seem like that Boston a little bit in this series in, that was November, December to an extent, not to those extremes, but they, I felt like that a little bit in game three where it was like, you know, even though it was a close game, they made some great plays, they still did a lot of silly things. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ship and go 4-3 Milwaukee just based on the percentages of them getting, getting this home game. And, and it is, it is going to be, two, you know, even if it goes 2-2 for Boston, um, it obviously goes in their favour for seven, but I'm just going to go with. I'm going to jump on the Giannis's Giannis's shoulders and go, yeah, four three, Milwaukee. Hmm. I'm going to stay with it. I think Boston, even last game, like you could see it slipping from Milwaukee's hands a little bit, and then they just sort of obviously got a little bit lucky with some missed calls and things at the end. Look, Giannis has been great, but the one thing Bogues has been doing, he's been falling in love with that three, and unlike last year in the playoffs. Late in the playoffs, he's not making them. You know, he's shooting 16% from the series. He's only shooting about 63 from the line in the series. His shot is, he's definitely impacted a little bit. I'm not sure if it's just a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a jinx in the the short term. And if it is, then they'll have an advantage. But he's, you know, look, when he puts his head down, and first of all, does, I mean, doesn't everybody fucking know that he's going to put his head down, drive you, and then spin you back? I mean, like, has he not done that enough where like one guy might want to fucking raise his hand and like, wait a minute, when he drives, he might be spinning. And the, I mean, the guy is phenomenal. I mean, that is his signature move that fucking drive, spin, dunk on you or up and under. It's hard, under bro, man. Like I've guarded him. Yeah. I've been switched on to him before, you know, years ago when I was still moving pretty well when I was at Golden State. He's strong as fuck. Like people don't realize because of his frames kind of skinny and, and wiry. He's strong, dude. Like he, he was, he's jumped from like, 
his first couple of years to net to, to where we see him now, weight room wise, was it was immense. Like Pip, it's so underrated. Um, there, there was those photos back in I think year two or three where he just stayed in Milwaukee the whole summer and looked like he just ate dumbbells. <laughs> yeah, but he. <laughs> the problem is if you're not if you're not chest to chest with him on his initial drive, right? And you're half out of position. He knows he's going to get his shoulder into your shoulder, and then it's not a charge because you're not you're not you're still moving and you're not you're not square, right? So if you're not straight up with him. It kills you. And then he's just so good with the Euro, number one. And then he's got the spin. So it's like, you know it's coming, but stopping is just a problem because if you don't cut him off completely, he's, 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 he's hitting you in the chest. You're going to be moving two or three feet and he's like almost dunking it from the dots. And then if you if you do meet him, then he's just spinning off you or Euroing. So he, he's a tough guard. You, you know exactly what he's going to do, but he's one of those guys athletically that – it's what the fuck do you do? I mean, and you got to shrink the floor from both elbows and at least like try to maybe shrink that driving lane. He will still try to go at you. And I, I hey, look easier fucking said than done. And who, who am I to try to X and O anything? But like, that's the only thing you can do, Bogues. Like you can't just one-on-one cover him with like space to his left and right to be able to drive and, and, and be able to change direction without hand active hands on the left and right elbow, trying to at least, you know, like stop him from driving it. But I mean, he, the ball is eventually going to find his hands, but I would rather someone without Middleton on the floor, I would rather like, you know, I'd rather bet on like Connaughton, not, you know, not having a little bit of an off night or Allen or Wesley Matthews rather than like just having him put his head down and just ISO up top and then kill you, kill you, kill you. But Hey, look, you, like you just said about four minutes ago, you can't hide. Like, they will find a matchup that will he will destroy you on, which is about 99.9% of the league anyway. But um, it's going to be a, a war. It's going to be, a, uh, you know, it's, I, I still think it's going to be a great series. And what, I'm just waiting for somebody to get punched in the mouth in, in, in either this series or that Dallas series we just spoke about, about somebody winning on the road because obviously home court's been good to – you know, good to both teams. You look at last game though between Milwaukee and Boston, and and that was if you look at the stats, you'd think Boston win this game. Um, nine, Milwaukee were nine for thirty four from three. They were twenty six percent or twenty six point five percent. So that's the kind of thing you're talking about. Is you're going to live and die by those guys making threes rather than Giannis getting in the paint every time. But I think Boston somewhat did a pretty good job of contesting those threes. But uh, you look at the stat sheet and you're like, how, how do they lose this game? You know, but. You look at the other end, then Boston were only 27%. They were nine for 33. They were horrendous from the field. They were even worse from the field, 36.8%. Um, they got to the line. So if you picked up this stat sheet and read it, you're like, how the hell did Boston lose this game? Um, but they they uh, they turned the ball over a fair bit um, at key stages late, but still only 12 turnovers. And, and you just look at Milwaukee, just grinded it out. They've been there before. Uh, Milwaukee won the rebound rebound battle. And they they got up twelve more field goals than than Boston, even though Boston, you know, go to the free throw line thirty four times. How do you how do you lose? Like I'm looking at this stat sheet and I'm scratching my head, like, geez, what what? And that's the Giannis effect. Like he he just he'll find a way to will his team to victory. And and, and I mean forty two twelve and eight on sixteen from thirty from the field, and okay one of six from three, but then nine for twelve from the line, which is you said numerous times is actually more important than his three because he can continue to be aggressive. Uh, Brooke Lopez was big for him with just a solid 13 and 10. But, you know, their the three-point clips were bad. They didn't really get to the line as much. Everything else was even. So I scratched my head as to, to how they lose that one. But I think Boston will adjust. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to go with – I'm going to ride Giannis's coattails. Um, I just think he's 
He's uh, having, a, having a hell of a year again and just quietly going about his business. Miami, Philly, about to kick off, or it's just kicked off. Uh, where are we at? 20 apiece, three minutes left in the first. We'll touch back. I doubt it'll finish by the end of this pod, but we'll see. It is 2-1 for Miami pre this game. Embiid uh, came back for game three, so we kind of called it that he'd be back, you know, we thought mid-series, which is pretty close. He's got his mask on and he's out there. and He, he didn't have great numbers in game three, but just his presence out there, pro, he creates such a difference. He had 18 and 11, still great numbers for most people, but Embiid, Embiid MVP candidate, usually he's at 30 and, and whatever, but his, his presence out there was huge. Maxi's leading them right now uh, with 24 points a night on great shooting clips. Harden's struggling. Um, I, I don't know if we put it down to not play, not playing for a while with, with Brooklyn, that whole ordeal, coming back. I, I put it down to the South Beach diet, um, especially those first two games. I think he was definitely out in the clubs and having some late nights, a lot of distractions there. But he's he's 18 a night at 38% pro from the field and 21% from the field, uh, from the three, sorry. So not, not great clips. Miami... Uh, Butler, 23, 8, and 6. He's been solid as per usual. Hero, Tyler Hero stepped it up in this series. He's 19 and 4. 19, 4, and 4, 50% from the three off the bench. So he's he, he's the X, X factor for Miami. Miami's offense has tendencies, and, and historically it has the last three or four or five years. This squad, they have uh, you know a tendency to dry up for, for, for a number of minutes, if not a quarter, where they just can't score the ball, and that happens to them in game three. Hero is the guy that, that can change that, just come on and has a green light and can get them going when their offense is bogged down. So I think that's going to continue. Who wins from here? Stick or jump ship? I'm sticking with Miami 4-2. Um, I think I think Philly will hold home court, but I think it's going to – I think Miami will steal um, – you know, I think they'll steal game six. I think it'll go 4-2. I'll stay with that. You're at 4-1. Pro, you sticking or jumping ship? Um. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with it. Four one. You know, I still think that Miami will make adjustments. I think that they'll be fine. I, you know, I, I think four one still a solid pick. You know, Embiid. I mean, look. I mean, eighteen and eleven. You know, nothing to. You know, nothing to scratch your head at, right? And you know, Jay, like you said, Harden's been off. You know, Harden's been off for a little bit, and yeah, he's just been off. At least with feeling. Yeah, he's been off. I don't know what the deal is, obviously. I don't care what the deal is. I just think that Miami's too good. Did you see that Maxi thing, by the way? What happened? So, I don't know what the deal was, but um, there was someone had a video of, of, I think it was game two or three with Harden, Harden and Maxi, I think, subbed out at the same time. And Maxi sat down, and then Harden sat next to him right on the bench. And then Maxi got up, moved down to the bottom of the, the, the end of the bench, and then I guess Harden wanted one of those pads, you know, those veteran pads that they sit on. So then he went and there was one next to where Maxi had moved. So Harden's moved to sit next to Maxi again and Maxi's got up and moved back to where he was initially. No shit. Like it was, it's, a, it's not a huge thing, but someone had it on, on, on video saying, obviously there's something going on and, and it, that's, that's pretty scathing. Like he moved three times to get away from, <laughs> from sitting next to James Harden and – Seems to be a bit of frustration there. I'm not sure why. Um, we, we have heard that you know James isn't the, the greatest of teammates as far as – he's not a bad teammate as far as being toxic, but he's not a guy that's going to hang out with guys off the floor, notorious for getting on private jets, you know, mid-season, mid-road trip to go to party in Vegas or whatever. Like, does his own thing, right? He's one of those guys just does his own thing. But, yeah, it was just an interesting one. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't. I didn't. And, you know, obviously I'm going to defer to you on this being the player. Like, have you ever seen that before a teammate? Like, do that as far as move away from somebody. Oh, that's, something's yeah. going on. 
like if it was once where he's like trying to get that a different chair that's got that pad on it or whatever, you'd be like, all right, cool, whatever. But the fact that it happened to you know two, two, two to three times in that thirty seconds, you're like something's he doesn't want to sit next to him. It's obvious. Um, why? Who knows? I mean, but it was an interesting one. It's we're looking into things obviously sometimes too much, but I think there's something there. I think the you know the. I don't know if Maxi feels like he should be on the ball more when harder than the floor. I don't know. I don't know what Harden's it is. Got a ga- um, you think Harden's got a gas problem? Maybe he farts? A gas? Oh. I, mean. <laughs> I thought you meant a gas in the tank because he does look a bit out of shape still out there. But um, yeah, uh, it's just not. Yeah, something's going on. Not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things, but could hurt Philly. You know, they, they need to be together, man. Like, you know, at this, at this time of the season. They will and, be and together. Miami went through They'll this. be together going fishing in about two more games. So don't worry about it. They're good. Harder than going fishing. Oh, well, it depends how you, how you define fishing. Uh, TNT fishing. Um, <laughs> for, fish, for fish, though, right? Um, but yeah, uh, what are your thoughts then? So you, th- you think you think it's going four one? So you think Miami's going to win today? Yeah, I think. I think, Miami, yeah, I think Miami wins this one and then just like demoralize it. You know the get fishing, the uh, the TNT fit, gone fishing thing when they lose. Just want to make sure. Oh, I was just being, being funny because you know fish can mean a bunch of different things. You could obviously. edit that, yeah. Our guy could edit that out. I mean, he's ma- he's making ten grand a week from you, so might as well fucking earn it. <laughs> Shout out, Steve. All right, Warriors, Memphis, last one. Um, this has been interesting. Now there's a, there's a bunch of shit going on that we'll get to, but um, you hate to see this happen. But it's been a physical series, um, borderline dirty. Yes, uh, playoff series is like that. It is two. What is it? Two one currently. Uh, for for Warriors, just walloped Memphis in Game Three. Losing Brooks really hurt him, I think. Um, just one less scorer out there, one less ball handler. Desmond Baines apparently banged up; his back's messed up, and and it shows he's had a horrible series and just, just looks like he can't move out there. He's, so Brooks is foul on um, Gary Payton Jr. or the second or whatever it is. Um, he put him out for the basically I don't know for the year, but a fractured elbow is never good. Um, and it was it was. Look, it was a poor foul. I don't, I don't know why. That early in the game, an open layup, so be it, right? Like it's like, what well, you're at home anyway. Why do it? And I think it was a poor play. It's put it's put one of their best defenders out. So it was dirty. Um, deserves a suspension, but just silly by Brooks, in my opinion. Game three was like I said, it was just a pretty Warriors display. Um, and the, the, the big three scorers, Steph has thirty. Uh, Jordan Poole has twenty seven. Kurt Thompson, 21. Role players, Kaminga and Wiggins, 18 and 17 apiece. Kaminga coming to the starting lineup, bro. That was an interesting one. We didn't, we didn't have, we didn't have coming. Apparently, the, the youngest player to ever start in a playoff game. So he, he's, he played fantastically, backed it up, I guess, because they wanted some size out there. Oh, um, by the way, for, for the record, that stat is useful, by the way. That is very useful. I was, I was going to have it in there, but I was like, I'll just chuck it in this part because I've got some better ones for you at that point. But, um, Kaminga's been great for him, and this is going to be invaluable. Like there, the Warriors beast. Once you know Steph is getting older, and even Clay, it's it's going to run on pro. Um, Jordan Poole is 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 a bona fide star. He's going to be an all star in the next year or two. Um, Kaminga's a great role. Like they got some they got some dogs down there to build around. So um, you know we all thought that once once Steph and Clay are getting greys gray hairs and moving on and Draymond and whatnot that. Um, They'd be back in a re- rebuild. I don't think it's going to be the case. I think they've got some good, really good pieces. But injury concerns now around Ja Morant. Um, status unknown. That They're saying m- most likely out. But as soon as you throw the likely word in there, it could be shenanigans. You just don't know. There's these these chess battles with with announcements. You don't you don't look too much in them. And I, I assume the Warriors 
will be doing their scout with Jarmaran out there. They're not stupid enough to say, oh, he's probably out. Let's not worry about him. But the Grizzlies historically, they're 20 and five without Jarmaran. So, but not in a playoff series. I don't think that, that that's going to really, they need him out there to win this this game four if they get it. Um, what were your thoughts on the, on the, uh, on the grab of the knee by um, Jordan Poole, which which has allegedly further injured Jarmarant's knee. Did you think it was blatantly dirty? Do you think it was on purpose? What, what no, are your thoughts I, on it? I'm not a you know I'm not a fucking mind reader with that shit, and I don't like reading into things. No, what's but your just thought? You no, saw no, just footage, the thought, right? The thought is it was a basketball play, and the thought is yes, it, 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 it made contact with the knee, but it just seemed like his hand swiped down, making a basketball play. It wasn't something that he really cheap shot at him. I didn't see it initially. I missed the play. So I was expecting something really dirty. And then I saw the thing. Yeah, same here. I was like, eh, yeah, that's not that dirty. That's not dirty at all, actually. So, yeah, I think it's a basketball play. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was, you know, I, I think it was nothing. Um, maybe it was, it was maybe, even if it was a purpose foul, like to, you know, I don't think it was like, oh, that's that bad knee. Which one is it, left or right? Oh, I might pull on it. And even so, like pulling on it like that, you never think that's going to hurt somebody, right? Like, uh, you know, so I assume it's, it's something not too serious for Jar, but I think it might have just tweaked things for him. But I don't think it was nowhere near the level of what Brooks did to, to, to GP. So I think um, now they're going back and forth. Steve Kerr came out and said that um, it was against the code, what uh, the player code, the unwritten code, that players have what Brooks did and now Jar Moran's saying the same thing that so they've gone through all that bullshit. Um, but anyway, there's a there's a uh, a game a series to win. Can can Mem- can Memphis salvage a series? That's a question. The Warriors have all but eliminated a solid rim presence from the Grizz because uh, they've just gone so uber small at times that they, they just kind of Adams is he's not going to get in this series and when he does it's garbage time like we saw last game. Clark's not even playing as much. He played 12 minutes last game. Um, and that hurts to an extent. It's interesting that, you know, when teams go small, teams try to go and match them. But if that's not your MO, it's not your MO. And, and what it's doing is it's hurting hurting Memphis's paint protection and room presence because they've just got no shot blockers down there. So these, you know, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, they start shooting the shit out of the ball like they did last game. And then all of a sudden they pump fake and get feet in the paint instead of being a 10-foot jumper or a floater. It's a layup on the rim or a free throw. So... That's been interesting to watch, but um, who wins from here for me? Stick or jump ship? Uh, we, we both said four two Warriors. I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll stick, but I think there's there's a chance that it could be could be four one. But um, I'll stick with four two um, Memphis um, potentially getting game five and then and then making it go back to uh, to Golden State to wrap up. Oh, sorry, vice versa. This one's in Golden State. Sorry. So I think um, yeah, flip that actually. Yeah, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna go four one. I mean, I think I think Memphis is done. I think if you know, if they if Morant doesn't play in, in game in the next game, I think they're going to get wiped, and I think that just all the momentum is going to go the other way. Yeah, you know, you, you know how they are. You know, Golden State, especially when they get you. And um, that that earlier comment that you made about the early, like the young guys coming in, you know, to replace not replace, but just to sort of give them, you know, give them a little bit added oomph in their lineup. And let's not forget, you know, you're missing out on Wiseman, which I don't think Wiseman's very good, but I think that. You know, they're going to, they'll fool somebody else into trading for them and giving them a little bit of an asset. So they could not only get what they have with, you know, with Poole and Kaminga, but now you could probably add another asset with Wiseman getting moved. If they do move Wiseman, maybe they think, maybe they'll move on from Looney and then they'll, they'll replace, you know, move Looney for something, you know, maybe a late for a protected first. 
and then they'll 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 just have Wiseman replace Looney. But Looney's really good with his role, and he's young, so who knows? But I don't see I don't see Memphis getting back into this. I think they're fucked. And yeah, like it is weird. You have Stephen Adams, who's really good. You know, he's one of my favorite centers in the league. Not the best by any stretch, but like I just really like what he brings to the table. But you can't play him because you feel as though you got to go small and switch everything. And you know, he'd be he'd be getting buried on the switch, but. I'll tell you what, like that rim protection, he's not a great shot blocker, but he's a good one. He's a smart defender, he, you know, but like you, you watch it in the Phoenix series when, when with Aiden, you know, you have a big that could roll hard to the rim and finish inside. It, it really helps you. And if he could just play and not get just totally manhandled on the switch, that maybe you should try Adams, but I'm not an X and O guy. I don't know. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you sway towards the big, but what would you really do, Bogues, if you had, if you, if you were Memphis and, and you could make the move and it's totally your call? Would you stay small? Would you mix it up and try to play Adams? What what, what are you doing? Well, I think you can punish him on the O board for sure because Golden State switched one through five for the most part. Draymond will end up on a guard. Steph will end up on a, on maybe a rolling big. So I think you can definitely punish there. You got to get those O boards and just make them, make them work and make them box you out and, and make, you know, Make it physically grueling for if hey Steph or Clay, if you're boxing out of Stephen Adams, you're going to feel it every possession, right? I'm coming at you, right? But they got to try something different. Like just going match up to match up. Memphis going uber, uber smart. I don't love it. I know the NBA has gone that way. Um, I mean, my adjustment would be this is easier said than done. Would be you know maybe to be in a, in a, a half blitz on on anything Draymond Green setting. Um, let him hit Draymond in the short roll and then. You know, make Draymond shoot that, not not so much shoot that uh, f- jumper, but ma- he's going to dribble into the lane. He's going to wait for a help defender, and he wants to kick out to three point shooters and get his assist numbers and, and whatever. I'd make him finish at the rim, and, and and if he has a thirty ball by rolling to the rim and putting pressure on the rim, I'd take that over the ball movement, wide open feet set threes that just break your back. That's kind of my adjustment. So I do a half blitz. And be kind of in the paint a little bit, like Giannis esque for a second, but fake and fade at Draymond and, and have him guessing where I'm getting back to shooters. And then if he if he's coming down and dunking on people, I mean, you probably live with that to an extent because um, it's not what he wants to do. Like he he hasn't had a great scoring season or scoring run the last three or four years. He's he's not a guy that you ever think wants to score over twenty. Um, he's capable of it. He's capable of it if, if if really made to, but he doesn't want to do that. And I think. If, if he's got the ball in his hands a lot and he's the one shooting most of the shots, I think that somewhat plays in your favor because you know, Steph's not getting in a rhythm, Jordan Paul's not getting in a rhythm, Clay's not getting in a rhythm. So, and like I said, this is easier said than done. The, the Warriors have so many schemes and, and so many counters to people doing that because they've seen it for the last five, six years that they will, uh, you know, they will adjust and have have counters for it. But that's what I'd try. I'd be like, fuck it. I'm, I'm just going to try to whoever he – but, you know, they, they might then move him off the ball, put him in the dunker, and then have Clay sit the ball screens. That'll be the adjustment, right, instead of bringing Draymond up. So they have they have plenty of counters to go to, but I'd at least try it and then punish them on the other end um, on the offensive glass. At least give it a try for four or five minutes and see how it goes. But I'm not a huge fan of just, you know – they're small, oh shit, we better go small and switch one through five because it takes away from what Memphis have been good at. Or don't forget, we mentioned this stat during the season. Stephen Adams was one of the all-time highs in, in offensive rebound percentage this season when he was in games, right? Like he he gets you so many extra second possessions because even though he's not a great shooter, he's one of those notorious guys that you can't overhelp 
off him because he just wedges the whole side of the floor. So what I mean by that is if you're a help side defender and I'm going to start hedging more towards the side of the basket Steph or Clay are on because I'm guarding Stephen Adams opposite me, you go and help a little bit and then someone shoots it. As soon as you turn your head, like this motherfucker's like boxed you out on that whole side of the floor. So then he's got the whole – that was what he was notorious for in the regular season, but now he's not out there. So that physicality's gone pro. So I'd be interested to see what they do. they got to do something because um, last game was ugly. And, and that's – the Warriors haven't had that game – against Memphis in this series till, till that last game where everything just clicked offensively and they just broke their back. They demoralized them, right? And that's the danger of when you play Golden State and they get in the room. Yeah, and don't forget Kaminga. If Kaminga gets, starts getting comfortable, they're fucked. Like, he's been a guy who's been, like, up and down all year depending on how many minutes he got. Been a good player. Look, he's, he's a, you know, he, he's an all-star type player if, you know, in his development. I mean, he's got a long way to go. He's very young, very athletic, very talented. But if he starts getting a little confidence, you know that as a player. If you have confidence going, I don't give a fuck how, how good or how much of a bum you are. You've got confidence like that and you're doing well, fuck. It's, it's, it's trouble. It's troublesome for sure. I mean, you already know Poole can do it. You know those other guys can do it. Now, the, the last guy you really expect to explode in a series could be Kaminga. Now, I mean, that's a major, a major fucking issue. Yeah, his athleticism is amazing. Uh, Wiggins has been solid for him. Uh, I want to say all-star-esque, but doesn't need to be. Just plays his role, defense. He's been rebounding his ass off, getting him extra possessions. Um, he's been solid as well. So they're, they're, they're prime and ready. They're getting, they're getting, I mean, right now, they're probably one of the, probably playing the best basketball, at least in the West, in my opinion, uh, with the way they're playing. And, and, and not even, you know, they didn't play great in the first couple of games, but they still got the wins, right? You know what I mean? Like, so, or at least in game one, I, I felt like they didn't play that. And they were in game two for the most part, um, but the game three, they played perfectly. So I think they're playing really, really, really well. Moving on to some news. Mike Brown has just been announced as the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. Pro, you like this? I don't love it. I don't love it. Look, Mike Brown has been around a long time, but he's had a lot of chances. And I, I'm a big fan of, you know, young coaches that don't, that's how, you know, that haven't had their chance yet, especially in a job like Sacramento. You know, I'm a big fan of, you know, giving other people like, you know, Sean Sweeney from Dallas, you know, there's, you know, decent assistance from, uh, there's a San Antonio guy, I forgot a guy's name, that's on the Boston staff. You know, there's guys like that, I'd rather give a chance to somebody like that than, you know, obviously the owner of SAC has it for Golden State. He's hired two Golden State head coaches now, ex-assistants. So obviously he likes that coaching tree, but um, I'd rather a young coach, no offense to Mike Brown, but like I said, I'd rather give, like we always complain about retreads, retreads, retreads. I would rather a coach that really hasn't had a chance yet try, you know, try to get a job and see where he's at. Um, that's my opinion. And look, Mike Brown's been around. He's the problem with hiring an assistant coach uh, from a championship level team and a great team is you don't have the great players usually when you go to the next team. So all that split action, great offense that you run in Golden State, there's a fucking reason for it. It's called having like four Hall of Famers in your roster. You know, like that shit runs a lot easier. It's like all those fucking, you know, Phil Jackson disciples that tried to run the fucking triangle. You could run the trapezoid, the fucking oval, or whatever the fuck other shape offense you want to run, but it's not going to work unless you have great players in your team. So, um, Well, another example of that is, is Luke Walton, right? So, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, he, he Luke went, was the Golden State guy. Yeah, and he was he was part of that big run we went on before, when Steve was was sick and um, went to the got, went to the Lakers and tried to implement the same system with different players. And you realize you don't have Steph yeah. and Clay. And like, he's, yeah, you're spot on. Like I said, Mike Brown is a great name. I know Mike; he's a good coach. I'm I'm just a big fan of giving other people an opportunity. Uh, Van, David Vanderpool from you know that got. Um, you know, that didn't get hired in Minnesota, but he's in Brooklyn now. Like guys, like just give a new guys a chance. Like if you're a really good team or you're a big market organization, you're the Knicks, you're the Lakers, you know, you're Chicago, then yeah, go for the retread, go for the guy because he's been around, he's got experience. You don't want to give a young guy a, co- a job like that or an unproven person. Mike Brown's been in the finals. Look, he's a you know, he does a good job, but like for, a, for I, I call Sacramento a developmental team. You know, if you get a developmental team like that, I would give it to an unproven and giving somebody a chance to see if they have it. That's just, that's just me. What about you? What's your, what's your feeling? Here's my take. I think, I think what they've done and, and their thought process, if there is one in Sacramento, but um, I, I think the, they've probably said, we've got a young team. We've got, I think there's definitely some discipline issues in that in that squad, um, some accountability issues, some all of the above in a young team. That, that, that's not a knock. That happens with young teams. It's who's the who's the guy on our team. Who's why is this guy getting away with this? Why is this happening? That that's normal on young teams. Most young teams in the NBA. I think their play is. I think we want a. So Mike Brown has as a at one time being known as a disciplinarian and a hard harder nosed kind of no nonsense kind of coach and probably to probably over, overdid it at times earlier in his career, right? So I think they're thinking we need we need that and we don't want to go young and unknown because we don't know what we're going to get. And a lot of the younger coaches um, with the way the game's going aren't, aren't that guy. That they, they, They're a bit more kind of jovial and friendly with players and it's probably you could argue that's how it's going and that's how the game's going. So I think Sacramento probably look at it like we, we, we want a line in the sand guy. We want a guy that's no-nonsense, that um, and that that's kind of my thinking of it. I think they want a guy, and and he has been that guy. I, I think if he tweaks it a little bit, um, I've said this about Scott Skiles. I think, you know, if Scott Skiles could just tweak that a little bit, where he's not, he was probably too far. You know, the the the, the mail on him was year two, year three. Players are burned out and don't want to play for him, and that what happened the last couple of teams that he coached. If he could just tweak that a little bit. He's one of the smartest coaches I've ever played for, and I mentioned that on the My Journey series. Um, he, he's an unbelievable basketball IQ. He's the, one of the best coaches I've seen off a board in, in, in panic mode timeouts where you need to draw some shit up. He's fantastic. We were prepped to practice, but he probably just wore guys down because he probably was – it was too much. It was every shoot-around, every minute of shoot-around and every minute of meetings, and it was in guys, in guys, in guys. If he just tweaked that, he'd have a job forever, right? Um, so I hope Mike Brown has, has learned from that under Steve and with Golden State that, you know, I, sometimes I need to push that panic button, but it can't be daily. You know what I mean? It can't be every session because guys are going to burn out. So I think that's their play, whether it works out or not, who knows, but um, definitely an interesting one. Uh, you know, I, I assume the players, I assume they asked Harrison Barnes about the other candidates. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. The Mark Jackson I'm one, sure but uh, that, that probably wasn't too good for Mark Jackson. But, and then, yeah, moving on from that, you've got the Lakers have hired... Phil Jackson as a consultant to help oversee the coach hiring, which is interesting, um, along with Kurt Rambis and his wife and his kid and his cousins and whoever else is involved in that process. But yeah, um, do you see now 
you know, Mark Jackson's still rumored as one of the faves. He's a clutch client. The whole thing, bromance with LeBron. LeBron's been on record saying he likes him. Mark Jackson's had somewhat a uh, interesting last few years, uh, or at least a couple of years after the firing in Golden State, with the preaching on the street and some 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 wild videos and accusations. Um, Phil Jackson's kind of the anti that I think. Uh, but what are your thoughts? I mean, you, you kind of said you think that that they, they probably will in this way because because Mark Jackson's desperate. Here's my thoughts. Hey, Phil, you want an extra two million bucks to sip lattes in fucking LA for two days a year, and we'll give you two million? That's what I think. I think it's look. There's nobody left in his coaching tree, like you know Derek Fisher, Kurt Rambis, you know all those other older assistants that he had in Chicago and LA. They're all gone, you know. So there's no one really like. You know, Brian Shaw, you're not going to hire fucking Brian Shaw again. I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't good when you hired him before. It's not going to be good again. Like, I think that Mark Jackson, look, a real coach isn't going to want that job. Like, a real coach is going to want to hire his own staff. The front office hires most of your staff in LA. That's why guys, think, that's why, you know, like other coaches didn't take it in the past because they want to control their own staff. And, you know, Frank Vogel took it because it's a lot of money and it's the Lakers. But you're not going to get a real coach like a Nick Nurse. You know, you're not going to get guys like that because, look, to be, a, to be good, you're going to have to have your own people that you trust. And they're going to tell you who your development guys are. They're going to tell you who probably one, if not two of your assistants are going to be. You probably have – you could probably hire the second intern and the video guy and maybe one assistant coach if you're the coach of the Lakers now. So – I think that, and plus now, you, you, I don't know what happens here, but do they care if LeBron comes back or not? I, I'm sure they do, but meaning like, are they going to let Clutch call this? Because if Clutch calls it, it's going to be Mark Jackson. If they're saying, look, we're going to lose LeBron anyway because we're not going to draft the son in the first round, so he's going to walk in after a year, so we're just going to get a, a, another coach. Next year will be a shit show. You know, hopefully they know next year is going to be a shit show. They're not just lying to themselves. I'm sure they're going to try to do some things, but I think Mark Jackson is the hire. I'm sure Phil Jackson will probably try to come up with a name or two, but I think the tidal wave of look, uh, you know, I think they need to keep LeBron to be honest with you because it's, they love names. They love superstars. Even if it's in the past, they, they, they're not going to want to have LeBron walk and they're not going to hire a real coach because LeBron doesn't want to get coached like that. And they're not he a rebuild. They're not a rebuild organization anyway. So Nah, so I think Mark Jackson's the guy there, and because Mark's not gonna look, Mark's Mark's not gonna. I don't think, I don't think a leopard ever changes their spots. Whatever he was in Golden State, I think he's learned a little bit, but I think he's going to be about eighty percent of that, you know, at least. So I, I just, but I think that he knows that he's not going to fuck with LeBron, and he's going to let LeBron do what he wants, you know, do whatever LeBron and AD wants, and you know, try to make the best of it and collect his five million bucks a year and. Chill in Manhattan Beach. Shit, that's what I would fucking do. So I think Mark Jackson, I think, I think Phil will probably try to fight it. But at the end, I think that they're going to be like, you know what? You know, they'll probably try to play hardball at first and be like, well, if LeBron leaves, he leaves. And by the end of it, they're going to be like, we can't lose LeBron. So whoever he wants to be our coach, he's going to be the coach. And I think that that's going to be Mark Jackson because I think Magic Johnson will, will put his two cents in. And I think, you know, Magic's got more pull than Phil. And Magic, don't forget, Magic and Mark are very close. You know, Magic used to, uh, Mark used to go to L.A. to play, at UCLA to play, play pickup with Magic throughout his whole career. Those guys are pretty tight. So I think, and plus, 
him being on TV with Van Gundy and having that name, I think the Lakers are going to end up hiring. So it's very much like at the end of Kobe's career where they didn't really hire a real coach. They hired Byron Scott who wanted to golf six days a week, you know, and, and just sort of, they just wanted a name. I think that's what they want. They want to get a name, let them, let them finish this LeBron thing off, see what happens with it. And then, you know, they'll probably get rid of Mark in a couple of more years after that and then move on to another coach. That's my opinion. What do you think, folks? Yeah, it looks like he's going to be one of the favorites to get it. I just, I just thought they'd be the, you know, Mark's uber-religious, um, he's a pastor, preacher, whatever you want to call it, and, and Phil Jackson just seems like the opposite, you know, um, smoke some weed and do some yoga kind of guy, you know what I mean? So I just thought they'd be polar opposite personality-wise, but I think your point around, I think uh, Mark Jackson is desperate at this point to get back in coaching. This is the job to take, and he'll be much more controllable by management and Phil Jackson and, and the hierarchy in the Lakers. They'll be able to move him around like a chess piece. It won't be... Um, it might be one of those coaches that's like, this is how I coach and, you know, I'm not, I'm not dealing with all that other shit. I think they'll, he's going to have to deal, Mark's going to have to deal with all that other shit. And, you know, when he was in Golden State, he didn't handle that very well. He hated feedback from the front office. He didn't like feedback from um, analytics, the video stuff. Jerry West famously got banned from practice sessions. Um, so that could be the 20% tweak you're talking about where it's just like, you know what, I'm um, you know, in LA, I'm in a beautiful spot. He, he lives there, I believe, still to this day. I love it here. I'm just going to shut up and bow to the masters and and um, listen to what they say and 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 do what they say. And and if we win, if we win, if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. As long as LeBron and management are happy, I'll kind of keep my job. So I think that'll uh, that'll go that way. But um, yeah, magic's also great. feel like to. Phil likes like to ban Jerry West from his locker room, so maybe maybe him and Mark Jackson could like bond over that. The so, common, I don't the common uh, extension of the yeah. of the branch of the tree that brings them together. That's an underrated part of of all this. So, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, it'd be like it'd be fantastic for the podcast. Um, I'll, you know, I'd oh, love yeah. it. I'd love it. It did just another whole few years of uh, of material. <laughs> so, can't wait to see that. Ben Simmons, this I don't know what the hell's going on here, bro. But um, you know, had to chat about this briefly. Ben Simmons went from being cleared for game four by, I guess, Brooklyn and, and or was potentially going to be ready for game four. That was all the reports. Um, he went from that to then his back season up to then needing back surgery <laughs> a week later. Um, so I, I'm lost. I, I think there's, there's, there's plausible theories that go either way. It was Brooklyn was kind of pressuring him to, you know, and he, and he said, oh, I might be back for game four. They released that to put more pressure on him when they knew his back was pretty messed up and, and they need surgery. There's the flip side where um, Ben probably thought, let me just push this off as much as possible and not tell anyone my back's messed up. Um, there's theories that, do you really have surgery? Uh, who knows, man? You just don't know this far on with everything going on. It's just a strange one. Like I said, going from almost playing game four slash game five, to then needing back surgery a week later. Um, something's amiss in that organization. Something's amiss with Ben that we, we already know that, you know, things aren't going too well there. But it, what's, what's your theory on it? I mean, do you think it's all legitimate? At what, we, what we read, we believe? Or do you think there's some shenanigans going on? I, I don't know what to believe anymore. Maybe he's like, fuck this, I ain't playing this bullshit. He was squatting 600 on purpose until his back gave up. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? I mean, I don't know. Like... I don't, you know what, it's it's past to the point of, look, I, I was all for him not playing. 
Like, I don't think that he could have made much of an impact on the series. You know, he needs a whole, he needs to be massaged from June 1st all the way October 1st just to get to fucking training camp. He's just that, like, when you have to put that much energy into a quote unquote superstar that you're paying 30 plus million dollars to, it's, there's always just going to be shenanigans going on. So I don't know what to believe. I wouldn't say that he'd make up a back surgery. But, like, it is weird that he was almost cleared and now he needs back surgery or a procedure. I don't know if they officially said what it was. So, I mean, he could have got a fucking mole taken off his back. Who the fuck knows? It's just, look, when you're a superstar, it shouldn't be this hard to get you on the court. Again, I don't think he should have played, but it's just been too hard to get this fucking guy on the court. And when you're a superstar and they got to beg you to fucking play, there's a fucking problem here. Not a red flag, a ginormous red fucking flag is going to go on with this kid. And if you're a real superstar, like a LeBron, a Kobe, a Larry Bird, a Michael Jordan, I'll keep going on and on. Did you have to beg any of those motherfuckers to play one fucking minute? No, they will beat you to a fucking pulp to get on the fucking court. And you got to just put that much energy and to get in this guy play. I don't care about the story, by the way. I don't give a fuck. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. But it's just a whole thing surrounding him. If you want to be a player, man the fuck up and just get on the court. Stop the shenanigans. Stop the agent bullshit. Stop this. I'm a basketball player or you're a fucking clown. Which one are you? Stop it. It's a fucking... It's just... Look, I deal with superstars. I've dealt, you know, like I deal with players who want to play and it's a fucking mocking. It's a fucking joke to the league that you're an all-star and people get to beg you to fucking play. And it's a fucking joke. So that's what I think about that. Yeah. I think that the twist in this is also from point of Brooklyn, like it's what the, what the hell are you guys doing? You know, like I, I know they need to protect him to an extent and they've been, but, but you know, I think they've handled this pretty poorly and I think I agree somewhat they've probably handled it poorly because they're like, what, what, what do we do here? <laughs> what if we, yes, what well. do we say? Do we say, hey, his back's fine, he just doesn't want to play, then then they look bad a la Doc Rivers throwing him under the bus for performance, then that hurts the anxiety. Like it's a loser situation and I think Brooklyn are now thrown into the in the muddy waters as well. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Brooklyn, I, put the logo request in. Forget about the Brooklyn Nets. I want them to have the emoji of the fucking person just shrugging their shoulders. That's their new fucking logo for their team. <laughs> because, because look, again, I'll go back to the whole fucking trade that they made, right? And I, I think getting Seth Curry was great for them. But if you don't make the trade and you just lose out on Harden, okay? Yeah, you're a little bit fucked. Don't get me wrong. You, you have to lose them for almost nothing. You know, maybe a sign of trade, probably not. But you don't have this fucking hulking contract that's almost has no value to it anymore. No, not anymore. So you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like maybe Harden would have like had a change of heart. It's a it's a fucked up thing to say, but maybe like maybe he ended up playing. I know people said, oh, he wasn't going to play. He was going to fake his injuries. He wasn't going to play, blah, blah, blah. But at least maybe you could have coerced him into playing. And even if you didn't, there would have been no pay, basically no difference you know, in a scenario, what would have happened? You probably would have got swept. Then you would have got him off the books and then you just fucking start over, whatever. Now you took on a guy that doesn't get to the starting gate. Forget about doesn't, 
like doesn't perform in playoffs. That's not what we're talking about. He can't even get to the fucking starting gate. He can't get to the arena. Forget about the finals. He can't get to the fucking arena. And you're begging him. Yes, yes, Ben, we're going to give you 40 million. Just fucking, you know, that's it. Just wear a jersey on media day. But like you're begging a so-called superstar to play. And again, I don't care that he didn't play in the playoffs. I don't think he would have been. I think it's fine that he didn't play. But it's just all this other shit. Stop the fucking shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, we all, I want to see him out there. Like, I'm, 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 Me too. I, I, you know, this isn't a, a Bash Ben thing. It's like, we want to see you out there because no. you're a fantastic player when you're, when you're up and about and you're in your prime. You know, you're, you're a 10, 10, and 10 guy at night at, at stages. You're, you're an elite defender. This, you know, outside of the free throws, no who, who gives a shit? Like, you miss some free throws. So what? Like, you get a, you know, there's so much good that you do out Dude, there. Dude, Shaq couldn't make a free throw. Yeah, yeah. And he was an MVP. Exactly. And, like, it was a Giannis, joke. You saw that. Yeah, Giannis has gone through it. And I think, yeah. I'll go back to my point. I think the longer he prolongs this, this, this delay of playing, whether it is a legitimate injury or not, let's say it is, um, that performance anxiety, that beast gets bigger and bigger uh, until you until you face it uh, from an anxiety point of view any sports like you talk to is going to tell you the same thing you got to eventually we're going to give you enough tools to, to get out and face that beast and then when you're when you're face to face with it and you get to the free throw line and everyone's booing you and you've airboard one and whatever here's some techniques to get your mind back onto onto what what it needs to be you need to do that and that's a currency so you do that for one game, you do it for 10 games, you do it for 30 games of regular season. Then guess what? The playoffs start. Then it's a different beast again. Then it's sold out arenas. Then it's people hacking you on purpose or going at you or picking on you or whatever, right? Then that's a different beast. And it's easier said than done. And I've been through it. I've been through similar things. Everyone's gone through them in different different portions. You might be a bad defender and it's like, holy shit, they're putting me in every action. <laughs> like they're making me look like an idiot, Right. And then I'll ask Steph Curry, goes in the off-season, watches tape, gets a bit stronger in the weight room, comes back, bang. He's, he's, he's at an average, if not above average level as a, as a uh, defender. So I think this hurts him because it's now going to be two years almost till he plays a basketball game. And that performance anxiety is just for that first game back pro, even if it's preseason against Maccabi Tel Aviv, <laughs> that performance anxiety in that first fucking game is going to be on 190 not a hundred, right? And and I think that's my concern with it. The longer he waits, it's just going to continue. So, you know, like like we've said a million times, off Instagram, get in the gym, see a sports psych, build yourself up. We're backing you to, to make a journey back um, as an Australian, as a former Australian NBA representative who wants you back at the top so we can talk about the good things. And, and once that happens, pro, we'll forget about this bullshit. Like, No doubt. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, Australian's probably a little bit longer because tall poppy's right here, but, you know, Everyone loves that story. Everyone loves that boxer that gets knocked out and comes back, and hopefully he can do that. So, Draymond Green. Um, now, tell me about this guy, Mad Dog Pro. I don't know shit about him. Who is he? Um, I've, I've first time I've heard of him. Yeah, Mad Dog was a very very What's his actual popular... name. Do you know? No, I have no idea. <laughs> but I just like to call him Mad Dog. But Mad Dog good, uh, was a very popular radio host, sports radio host. Um, for years, for 20, 30, 40 years, like New York area. Like he's like Stephen A. Smith. They're perfect together because all he does is rant. He's a pretty good, pretty knowledgeable guy, old school guy. He's an older guy. I would think he's close to 70 if I had to guess. And like I said, he is one of the best of all time as far as radio shows. And What city? Uh, 
I think out of New York, oh. folks, if I had to guess. Chris Russo right? is his name. Chris Mad Dog Chris Russo. Chris Russo, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a 30 for 30 with um, Mike and the Mad Dog show. They did a show for years. And they were like number one in New York and in the country. as like just a ranting in the nine, like the 90s, 80s and 90s, I believe, you know, and up to the 2000s. But um, yeah, he's a guy who's like Stephen A. Smith. He yells a lot. He rants a lot. A pretty knowledgeable guy, but like he knows how to pull people's strings and especially his callers because he's got a huge following. At least he did. I think he still has a pretty good following. I don't think ESPN would have hired him. I think he replaced what's his name, Kellerman, uh, when Stephen A. Smith got him fired. I think they brought Mad Dog in because those guys could yell and you know, now, <laughs> yell and scream. <laughs> now and scream. And now JJ Reddick, obviously, is not a huge fan of Mad Dog. You can tell that, you know, in his shows, but. Um, yeah, so that's Mad Dog. Real famous, real famous radio guy. Loves to rant, loves to rave, loves to have a little bit of controversy. So, you know, it's a you know, hot takes and things like that. Like Steve, again, a younger Stephen Eastman. Uh, older Stephen Eastman. Well, anyway, for context for fans in here, he, he said something along the lines of, um, you know, Draymond just needs to shut up and get on with it. We're sick of hearing about Draymond now. Draymond has his own podcast. Um, he has, he's a guy that's going to call it as he sees it. And I'm sure he'll tell you sometimes he's wrong, sometimes he's right, but he's you want that, you want those personalities. I do anyway. I'd rather an athlete that tells us what they think think and feel. And he's he's not shy of that at all. He he actually it's it's been interesting because he goes on mic after games and gives his rundown on how things went. And I think it's been really cool. Fans have really appreciated it. So anyway, Mad Dog's just kind of said, you need to shut up. Shut up and dribble, essentially. Um, Draymond's come back and said, This is the new media, buddy. Your your agent. You're, you're phasing out. You're kind of you're kind of ilk that just you know. And I'm not a huge fan of the random rave Stephen A. Smith types. I think they it just gets old. It's the same thing every time. It's like there's no there's no real nothing clever about it. It's just like you can tell producers have said, hey, this will this will get us front page and have people talking on social media and be clickbaity. You know, give us some takes. And they know two guys like Mad Dog versus Stephen A. Smith um, is gonna is gonna get clickbait clickbaited to death. Um, but Draymond did throw out the racist connotation. He said that, you know, those comments have um, a racist comment, connotation to them. And like Pro said many times, I'm not going to go into the brain of Draymond Green as to why he thinks, why he thinks that. I don't, I don't think it has those connotations. Um, I, I just think it has a standard talkback radio douchebag type connotation of, of <laughs> what every talkback radio kind of sports – uh, broadcaster does. They they try to incite people to to get all you know. I'm offended by that, or oh, you can't say that, or agitated. I'm going to go on social media, and then it, it plays into their brand because more people are listening. Sponsors love it. More clicks, more money, right? So, um, yeah, it's just it's just an interesting one. But I like Draymond going back. I think he has he has every right to go back. Um, at, at people like that, and I think it's fair game, pro. Yeah, I, I think that look if you if if you believe in it or not. The shut up and dribble thing is a sensitive subject. It's a sensitive. I'm not a big catchphrase guy. I'm not a big like, you know, like just putting names to things, but the shut up and dribble thing is a big deal. And like, regardless if you believe that athletes should be, you know, talking about political stuff and things, and this is not a political thing. I think Draymond, if I'm not mistaken, was complaining about the officiating of referees and maybe his his uh, flagrant ejection. I think it was around I, the fact that he had he he had did he break his eyes? He did something to his eye or his nose. Um, was pissing out blood. He had to walk to the locker room to get stitched up or whatever, and they were booing him. And that's when he was like, 
yeah, I flipped them off because they were booing a man that was bleeding and in, in, in immense pain yeah. and walking into a locker room. So I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that fine. Yeah. Which, which I think I agree with to an extent. Like you probably don't want to flip them off, but I agree with to an extent. But yeah, go ahead. No, no, no doubt. And look, you know, and, and Mad Dog's probably with the you know the probably old school crowd of players. You know, players should play and they shouldn't complain and they don't like people who complain. It's sort of like back in the 80s, it was like Bill Lambert. You know, Lambert used to yell and scream and, and this and that. And, you know, people didn't want to hear it. They just want, you know, they just want play. They just want people to play. And I think that the old school, I think old school wants players to play and play and do their thing. Right? And not yell and scream and rant and rave and all that. But the new age NBA, the young kids want to see that. They want to see more, you know, interaction. Doesn't matter if, if it's just talking about the game, talking about complaining, talking about politics, whatever it is. They want to hear that as much as possible. And that's probably the divide where like old school people just want to see the games and new school want to see all the other content. Like the new school NBA is like the WWF. It's like, you know, it's all entertainment and it's basketball, and but it's a lot of entertainment. I don't think anything had to do racially. I, that, I do disagree with that. I do think that athletes, if they want to, you know, if they want to get podcasts and stuff like that and talk about things and give more content to the game, obviously they can do that. I think Mad Dog was just talking about, you know, he just doesn't want to hear it, right? He comes from the old school. And, you know, Draymond obviously going to fire back. And then, you know, J.J. Reddick fired back, basically, at Mad Dog. You know, we're going to see a celebrity boxing match between JJ Reddick and Mad Dog because those guys do not, you could tell those guys do not like each other. Maybe it's shtick for the show, but it just doesn't seem like, you know, because JJ is like pro player, you know, and then Mad Dog is like, you know, he likes riling players up. So it's an interesting dynamic. And Stephen A just sort of sits there and eats popcorn to watch it because it's, it's, it's weekly shenanigans. It happens, you know, almost daily, probably, but something, you know, usually those guys argue at least once a week. So that's what the that that's what the whole you know sort of talk show deal is. It's all about just arguing, yelling, screaming, and getting hot takes. I don't think it was racial. Um, I, you know, it is what it is. I'm a huge Draymond Green fan. I love what he brings to the game. He's the new age Dennis Rodman. You know, um, not as obviously not as fucked up, but like he's outspoken. He's, <laughs> he hasn't married you know, himself yet. Yeah, not yet. But, you know, he, he's going to tell you he's not going to shut up. Nobody is going to shut that guy up. And he isn't, you know, he's like the Mark Cuban of players. You could fine him. You could suspend him. He will not shut up. He actually would probably like the fines and suspensions because it gives him more fucking, you know, it gives him more sort of headlines on it. And, and that's he loves that attention. And that's just him. He's just like, you know, those guys, you played with him. I mean, I know you played with him, but like, some guys need to get revved up like that and they need stuff like that. They, they're constantly talking like KG was sort of like that to a different extent where he, you know, he just had, he just like, he needed something to fuel himself. And I think that's what he, he is. He just, he just keeps talking and yelling and that's just him. So, yeah. And I think the, sh the shut up and dribble thing, I think it's, I don't think it's race-based. I cop that shit. I don't even play basketball anymore. So <laughs> I get I yeah. get told to shut up and dribble all the time. I'm like, I'm retired. I can't dribble anymore, so it should just be shut up. But to yeah. your point around the political stuff, I've got no problems with players. I'll still go on record saying this. If players want to talk politics, if they want to talk social issues, if they want to talk about, you know, the moon landing, I don't, I don't care as long as it's somewhat, you know, if you've got your own podcast and you do it, 
no problem. Or if someone reaches out to you away from the the basketball part of the, the telecast. So my only issue is like if you're watching a basketball game and it's a halftime interview and someone all of a sudden they're like, so how do you think you played today? And it goes into like something about politics. I think that's where I draw the line. I'm like, because I'm a fan of basketball as well. I want to watch two and a half hours of basketball or football or golf. And I don't want to, I don't want to hear about all the other bullshit I hear about 22 hours a day, right? So that's where I draw the line. Um, some will argue, well, that's a prime opportunity to get your cause out there and this and that. Yes, but it's, we're going to hear it on, on news or newspapers or social media anyway, right? So that's an escape for a lot of people. Um, so I understand that and I agree with that. I think that's where I draw the line. But outside of that, um, if a journalist reaches out and says, hey, I want to talk to you about what you think about X, Y, Z or this or that outside of basketball, no worries. An athlete should be allowed to have an opinion. So I disagree heavily. The shut up and dribble thing's funny because it only works, you know, to, for people that if you're for my cause, I'm all for the athlete, you know, like say what you want. And then if, if, if you're not for something that that person agrees with, shut up and dribble. And I see it all the time because it's just, it, there's a bit, a bit of hypocrisy with all that. But um, I, I, I like, I like Draymond going back. I, I think, I think he's right about the new age media now. I think there is some people that are, I want to say scared, but I think that the, the culture around media is changing because an athlete can literally go on IG live. They can, you know, like Draymond, travel with a microphone and podcast recording equipment and upload it themselves instantly after a game. And that's getting more views than these, some of these shows after games. These, these are analysis shows, right? So I think there is some concern, cause for concern with new age media. And, and he's right, it's, it's changing. There's guys that haven't played the game that just sit behind a desk. Yeah, there's still a few that are valuable, but as time goes on, you know, you look at what JJ Reddick's doing now um, and he's he's doing a fantastic job with his analysis. He knows the game, high IQ guy. He's played with all kinds of stars. He's played all around, the you know, the US and the NBA and college and whatnot. He played overseas in some international tournaments. That's more valuable than a mad dog just sitting behind a desk ranting, in my opinion. And I think that's where we're going to see the changing of the guard. So uh, we'll continue to, continue to watch that space and I'm sure it's not the last we'll see of Draymond um, providing analytics for post-game and, and what his thoughts are. So keep it up to Draymond Green. We love it. Finally, um, our guy, Dirk Nowitzki. I don't know if you saw his comments, Pro, but I, I made a note of these because they relate to me perfectly. Um, but he made some comments around, uh, I guess he did a soccer podcast with someone, uh, you know, a, a fellow German, um, famous soccer player, I don't have the name, but and he said something about, you know, his body, right? And he said, I keep thinking whether the last two years in the NBA were really worth it. If I had quit two years earlier, I could probably move better today to play soccer with the kids sometimes. I can't do that at all right now. And I saw this and I was like, it kind of validated my decision to retire, bro. <laughs> I patted myself on the back because we, we've all, I played with Dirk for you know half a year and he wasn't moving well for the last probably, what, four years of his, of his, of his career there in Dallas? I'd, like, say, I'd say two and a half to three, yeah. Yeah, two and a half to three. Um, and... You could tell it just hurt him to get out of a chair. It, 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 it he, you know, he was, you know, I remember shoot around some mornings. <laughs> if he's sitting, yeah. sitting on the side, you'd have to kind of get a, a shovel to, to, to wedge him off the chair because he played so much basketball at a high level. His body was banged up, his knees, his ankles, his back. And I, you know, I hate to relate it to myself, but, you know, when I came back to the NBL, it was for that reason because I wanted to tone it down and not play every other night. I thought the NBL once, twice a week, at home, much better, whatever. And then, you know, I was I pushed all my chips to the table, as everyone knows, for the 2020 Olympics, and then that, that got delayed, and everyone was like, why not one more year? 
this was the reason. Um, I I went through this with my kids, with my back issues, the last year or two of my career where I'd come home from practice and couldn't take them to a park, couldn't push them on a swing properly at times. And my theory was I was like, I can get another probably two or three years out of myself at 15 minutes a game if I really want to, in the NBL at least. Is it is that going to hinder me when I'm 40 or 45? Is that going to make me feel like I'm 60 at 45? That is extra two years. And, you know, I like to think I like to analyze things and, 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 and critically think about things. And I kind of, in my head, jotted down the pros and cons and I came to the conclusion that it probably is. You know, God forbid I go out there and get hurt again with something else. Already had a broken ankle, a broken shin, stress fractures in my back, a broken elbow. Something free could happen. These things happen in basketball. And then just more grind on the, on the limbs. This this Dirk and Whiskey comment just hit home for me. And and I can still play soccer with my kids. Thankfully, I can still get out and bat and run. I, st- I can still work out and go in the weight room. And I have to keep in shape. But for those out there that you know, athletes, are, it's such a great life. And yes, they are compensated a shitload of money. They are rock stars at time at times. But Dirk and Whiskey at forty years old can't do things that most forty year olds do. And that's the price you pay, pro. So I just I thought it was. Worth noting, seeing these comments, um, that sometimes it's better to give it up rather than playing on for an extra two or three years. Yeah, I mean, look, for a competitor, especially at a high level like you were, like Dirk was, um, you watch it with Kobe, you watch it with NJ, those guys never really want to give it up. You're a true competitor. You, you never want to give it up because it's a feeling that you'll never get back. And, and you see it in you see it in a lot of post-playing career where you know, they do anything for competition and they'll do it because that's all they know in most cases. And, you know, Dirk is as competitive as anyone else can get. And yeah, it, it definitely pays dividends. Look, I, I spent a lot of time with Kevin McHale and Kevin broke his foot. I want to say in 1999, uh, uh, was it 91? Uh, the playoffs anywhere from like 89 to 91. And like, he walks with a pretty bad limp for the rest of his career because he didn't, he didn't like stop playing that year and get the, get it fixed because he wanted to make the last run for the playoffs. And it really cost him. Like if you look at his ankle, it's blown up probably like. Man, it hurts me to see that dude walk. Yeah. And Kevin's, Kevin's the best. And yeah, I mean, it, it definitely hurts, you know, with Dirk, but look, I think that players don't really get it at the time. Some, especially later career, the damage they could do to themselves you know, it's sort of like football players or boxers taking more hits to the head and they could really impact their life livelihood 10 years down the road. And I think what Dirk, look, Dirk gave everything he could for that organization in that city. And I think that he owed it. it it's sort of like what Kobe used to always say. He's like, look, if somebody's going to, you know, if someone's going to pay to watch me play, MJ had the same philosophy. If someone's going to pay to watch me play. I'm not going to sit. If I, if I, unless I really have to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make it worth, I'm going to earn my money every night. And, you know, everybody that sees me, I want to give them their money's worth. And I think that's Dirk did the same thing. He tried to compete with on non-competitive teams. You know, those teams really didn't have much, you know, chances to, you know, make the playoffs most of those years, you know, and forget about winning any playoff games. So, he just did it for the love of the city, for the love of the competition, for the love of the fans, for the love of the organization. You know, it's sad to say because Dirk's one of the better gentlemen in the league and he's one of the more likable people in the history of the league. And yeah, it sucks to see. I, he said that a while back. I remember reading it. I think he, 
he got interviewed somewhere about a month or two ago. And, and I remember hearing, reading that quote and pretty sad because like, oh, he loves his family. He loves being home. And, you know, if, if that impacts him to that extent where he can't run with his kids or, or do whatever, it's pretty sad. It is. Just thought I'd mention it because I thought it was very, very useful. And I think his comments were spot on. I think that the fact that he can realize that now sucks in hindsight um, that now, you know, has all the money in the world and whatever, but you'd probably, you'd probably give those two years back, give that money back if you could, you know, have a somewhat healthy lifestyle with your kids. But um, that's, that's the price athletes pay. It's also the price everyday people pay um, that, that work out in working mines or construction sites or whatever, like my father as well, you know, um, screwed his neck up from being, you know, a mechanic. Um, so I, I totally get it that athletes are compensated, but there is another side to it. So you just got to, Put that out there. The NBL real quick. Sydney Kings currently 2-0 in the grand final series against the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Kind of a blowout win in game one for the most part. Um, Jalen Adams, MVP of the league, does his hamstring. In, I think it was the late third, early fourth quarter. We still get that win. Um, have to go to Tasmania in a hostile environment. Um, that place is, a, is, is absolutely bonkers. Uh, they get about set out at 5,000, I think, but it's loud. It's, it's closer to the court, college-type atmosphere. It was always going to be a tough task down there, and we got it done late. Um, you know, Dejan Vasiljevic uh, was was huge. Hit a big three late in that game um, after Adams. You know, hit a hit a big three for them, tied the game, and then we we, we got up uh, late in that game and he hit a big three to seal it when we're up one. So absolutely huge. Two zero going back to Sydney on Wednesday. Um, Jalen Adams, who knows where he's going to be at, but uh, I'm not too optimistic for that game, but we'll see what happens. Um, he's getting treatment by the day. Uh, hopefully he'll be back for that one, but we'll see what happens. Like I said, hamstrings are always a tough one. But yeah, we've got a chance to wrap up the grand final against your Jack Jumpers Pro. Uh, but what, what I will say is it's going to be tough. Closeout games are a bitch, um, meaning when you have to shut a team out for the rest of their season in a closeout game, they fight tooth and nail. And this, this Tassie team, they, they fight pro. They... They, um, you know, we had them down in Sydney at one point. They, they just keep playing, man. They move the ball really well. They, they, they guard hard. They got, like I said at the start of the season, they've got guys that were, weren't really wanted commodities on their teams. They were eight, nine, ten guys. Fring, oh, is he an NBL player? Isn't he? And they brought a bunch of those guys in, and they're playing their balls off. So I've, I've really enjoyed. You know, if the Kings weren't the team playing in the grand final, pro, I'd be cheering for the Jack Jumpers. I get it. Um, us against the world mentality, but. Uh, it's been it's been a good series so far. Let's just hope it's nice and smooth for the old Sydney Kings, bro. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm split on this, but obviously, I want to see you win it. But I would have loved to see that crazy motherfucker Scott Ross win a championship. And <laughs> I, I I couldn't even name one player on his team, and I don't give a fuck. Like I want to see him win. He he is a '80s wrestler if I've ever seen him. I want to see him rip his shirt off and just like yell at the crowd. But I mean, down 2-0. I don't think uh, I don't think history's on his side, but. You know, what are you going to do? Awesome rumors, pro. He has on a multi-year deal that he, I've, I've heard some little rumblings behind the scenes. He might not be back. So, really? Yes, I have from some good sources that could be, could be, could, could be wrong, but there could be the potential for that looking for a new coach. Um, I know it's been a tough year for him. He's been away from his family. They haven't been able to get in for COVID, of course. So he hasn't seen him for a long, long time. Um, and he's done a fantastic job, but yeah, I've, I've just heard rumblings that that could be the case. So we'll we'll see. We'll watch this space and see if the old rogue bow's got one right. But uh, that's the rumblings behind the scenes. Now this game, pro, we're going to talk Chase Buford again. 
He's uh, he's did a naughty again, bro. Uh, ah, <laughs> shocker. So a questionable call, I think, on an eight-second call from the backcourt, and he loses it. Already had a technical foul, was very, very lucky. There's a lot of Tasmania fans having a cry saying, he should have been ejected out of the re-. referees, missed it, but he, he kicked the, the stanchion, I mean, the, the, the sponsorship sign. Um, things on the side of the court near the, near the scorers or the scorers bench where the sponsor signs are, and they've got that electronic LED sponsor lights. He kicked it and broke it. Um, so <laughs> he broke one of the signs, um, and then the writing like Hungry Jacks ended up it ended up spelling um, Hungry Jacks. Um, you know, so oh, yes. <laughs> shocker. He's, yeah, he's gonna. The referees did miss it, thankfully, because if they saw that, he would have been ejected in earlier on in that game. They missed it. Uh, but he's gonna he's gonna have a bill, I think, for the um, the signage repair, which might be pretty expensive for the LEDs these days. Not as simple as just print, getting the local sign printer to print out a sign. Those LEDs are expensive, so yeah. And then we're worried about him breaking his foot as well. So you think his dad could ship over a San Antonio House of Pizza sign that he could sort of replace and in, in, in exchange or no? Uh, I think it's gonna be a proper. He's in town actually. Uh, oh, nice. RC and, and his wife are actually in town and watching support and Chase Buford, which is which is great. Um, maybe I'll have to sit down with him and be like, hey, leave the kung fu stuff to to the kids. Um, but he's, he's a passionate guy. Uh, like I said, I don't condone the behavior, as as Chase would, after the fact, would say, yeah, I went, I went a little stupid there. Um, but he's passionate. You can't hold that back. So I know Tassie Jack Jumpers fans are still, still not too happy about that, but uh, it was what it was. Sydney... Game three is looking like it could be close to a sellout, pro, which is huge in our game. Um, we have an eighteen thousand nice. seat arena, so we're probably one of the hardest arenas to sell out. Uh, so if we can get to eighteen thousand on a Wednesday night of all things, school night, which is always hard, uh, it would be fantastic. Let's um, let's make sure that you know if you're a Sydney sider, get to that game, support the Sydney Kings. It should be a fantastic atmosphere. So. We'll watch that space and hopefully it's 3-1 by the time we do it. It's 3-0 by the time we do this podcast. Or 3-1, I'll take 3-1 as well, but uh, 3-0 will be much obliged, Tazzy. So please, please, uh, you know, be nice to us and let us get that that third win. Useful or useless? I've got another pop quiz for you, pro. This one should be fun. Nice. We're going to go through each team's most fine player and you're going to try to guess who it is. Okay. All right, let's start with the Lakers. Now, this is, by the way, NBA Debates 1 on Instagram. I'm loving some of your posts. I'm stealing these from you guys, but I'm giving you the shout-outs. So that's what we do. We we uh, we cite our sources. Um, they got some Westbrook? Bad. No. Now, this sorry, footnote, it does include suspensions. That's part of the fine, right? So, you know, a guy's contract could uh, hinder that fine going up a lot. But, yeah, it's not. It is LeBron James. Oh, okay. 300,000. He had a suspension, remember? One game suspension. He had an obscene gesture. Ejection tech, 300,000 for old LeBron. Uh, this one's pretty easy. Uh, Golden State. Golden State, most fine player. Uh, Steph Curry? <laughs> Are you being a dick? No, Draymond Green. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking. Two ejections, 15 techs, $72,000. Oh, and cursing at official, $72,000. Not too bad compared to LeBron because of the suspension. Uh, Phoenix Suns. Uh, Chris Paul. No, Devin Booker. Ooh. 13 technical yeah. fouls, 37,000. You wouldn't Sweet. have picked it. He's pretty mild-mannered for the most part. You wouldn't pick that. All you right, your so. Sacramento Kings pro. The whole team. <laughs> the owner. Uh, let me see. I wouldn't have guessed this one. I'll give you a tip. He wasn't there the whole season. Marvin Bagley. 
Uh, no, good guess though, but he didn't play enough minutes, I don't think. Um, Sabonis. He had, a, ah. he had a one-game suspension and an ejection and three techs for 135000 if you don't mind. The LA Clippers. Reggie mm, uh, Jackson. No, good pick. Marcus Morris Sr. Two ejections, ah, yeah. two ejections eight, eight techs for 24000 um, Nice. This one you'll never get, but I, oh, if I give you the right clue, you could. But the New Orleans Pelicans. There's a cut. Does Zion's weight clause uh, count? <laughs> no. No. Okay. The Mountain Dew. Um, no. I'll give you a clue. Okay. He was a teammate of mine at one point. Ingram. No. Didi Lazada. Ah, oh, fuck. No chance. He was with the Sydney Kings. Uh, he was over there. 25 game suspension for violating the NBA's anti-drug program. 406,000. He's with Portland now, but Didi's a great fella. Brazilian, but I don't know what he was taking. Um, not good. All right. Uh, the Houston Rockets. Um, Porter Jr. Good guess, but they the, the, apparently they got rid of all the soup, so he had nothing to throw at officials. <laughs> it no was uh, Christian Wood, one game suspension and four texts for 104,000. Nice. The Memphis Grizzlies. Mm, Brooks. Yes, good guess. 35,000. Nice. Ejection and 13 texts. Sweet. And now suspension that they haven't added on, so he continues to be their leader. Now, this one. You're probably not going to get, oh, I mean, yeah, you're a crony, so you might get it. The Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Luka fucking Doncic. No. Trey what? Burke, missed COVID testing window, causing four missed games, 137,000. 137,000? <laughs> yeah, for the four, because he missed four games. Oh. So they must have fined him for the, the missed games. If, if you're, he's not on a big contract neither, dude. Like, <laughs> you need to be at that COVID test. I'll do, you know. You might even do the, the ones that aren't just the mouth swab if, you, you know, if you're on that minimum contract, I'm just saying. But uh, yeah, one, a tough one to get. All right, the Spurs? Chuck Wandale. Yeah, good sarcastic guess, but no. It was Murray at 28,000, throwing ball at officials' legs, ejection, and three technical fouls. The Minnesota Timberwolves? Um, Kyle Anthony Towns. No, Patrick Beverly. That was easy. Oh, yeah, you yeah, should have yeah, got that fuck. one. Inappropriate yeah, language, fighting... Two ejections and 13 texts for 89,000. The Portland Trailblazers. Shit. They got like two original players from the beginning of the year. Um, <laughs> I think he's still there. A. Millard? No, Yusuf Nurkic. Remember, he confronted huh? a fan courtside, uh, grabbed his cell phone and threw it in the stands. Oh, he nice. had an ejection. Shit, he had, fuck that little. He had fuck six that texts. Kid. That guy's actually suing him, funnily enough, apparently. He's suing, I think he's suing the NBA and him. Because he said he didn't if say I was that. His if I was his parents, I'd be suing Trojan for it for not fucking working. Yeah, but he claims he didn't say what was what 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 Nurkic said. He said he was just booing him. So who knows? Anyway, fifty five thousand for Nurkic. The Denver Nuggets. Jokic. Yeah, Jokic, the MVP for them. Um, Two hundred thirty seven thousand. One game suspension, three ejections, and twelve techs. He's Ooh. definitely a fiery fella. The Utah Jazz. Uh, Gobert. Yep, thirty one thousand. One ejection and eleven techs. OKC. Oh, geez, these guys have done well. Selling a six thousand dollars is their leader. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, Dorts. No, uh, Basley, Darius Basley. Oh, nice. Six thousand dollars, three ticks. That was it. Young team. Wow. Grayson Allen is. Oh, sorry, I should have said Milwaukee Bucks. Grayson Allen is Milwaukee Bucks. One game suspension, ejection, technical, obviously from the Caruso thing. Detroit Pistons. You should get this um, one if you think about it. Involve LeBron. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The big dad, the big, uh, big stronger. Yeah, Stuart, right. 57,000, two game suspension for that and six techs. All right, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I didn't realize I was going to do these, but this isn't a player. Oh, Bickerstaff. Yep. Yep. Chris yeah, he's fucking attacked some refs. This criticism. I mean, verbally, 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 of course. Verbally. Yeah, criticism of officials and ejection, $35,000 for the Cavs. The Chicago Bulls. Now, this one's an interesting one because he, I'll give you a clue. He wasn't there that long. No, fuck. And Vucevic? No. Tristan Kardashian. Oh, sorry, Tristan Thompson. Oh, 34,000. He wasn't there long at all, though. Making profane comments to official ejection and five techs. (laughs) Good for you, Tristan. Um, Indiana Indiana Pacers. Another guy who I don't think was there long. Um, Halliburton. No, Jalen Smith. 26,000. Profane language to an official and three techs for him. Uh, where's the last one here? All right. So, and this one is possibly the MVP of the league as far as fines, but uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons, bro. Come on, dude. Oh, 53 missed games due to not cooperating with team. One game suspension. 19 million so far. Oh, yeah, 19 million to date. I think Brooklyn should be fined 19,100,000 for fucking trading for him. <laughs> Another easy one, Brooklyn. Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons. Kyrie Irving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm half mentally challenged. You are. That's okay, though. 36 missed games because of COVID. Two, use, two uses of appropriate, inappropriate language. Obscene gesture. 13 million for old Kyrie. <laughs> the Knicks. Nice. Randall? Yeah, Randall. 67,000. 12 texts, two ejections, profane language. Um, Celtics. Marcus Smart? No, a good guess, though. You'd think it'd be him, but it was Tatum. 13 technicals, 37,000. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's a big complainer. Uh, Toronto. Um, Van Vliet. Yeah, actually. I didn't think he was... Really? Yeah, five technical. I have no fucking You were being idea. sarcastic too. You were picking out the Steph Curry. They're like the nicest fucking guy in the I planet. know. Five techs and obscene gesture. Like, 25,000. It's, like, it's like picking J- It's like picking Jalen Brunson for the fucking Mavericks. Crazy. Yeah, only 25,000 though, so they didn't have a lot of hotheads on that team, but um, five techs and an obscene gesture. Atlanta Hawks. Mm. Oh, what's his name? Um, Collins. No, Trey Young. 16 texts in contact with an official, 62,000. Charlotte. What, he bite his ankles? The guy's three feet tall. <laughs> Charlotte Hornets. Uh, oh, probably ball, right? Uh, Bridges, six texts, an ejection, throwing mouthpiece in a crowd, 64,000. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, Miami Heat. Mm, uh-uh. No, it was uh, Markeith Morris. Oh yeah, he barely played. He barely played that year because Jokic WWE'd him, and he was out for fucking eternity. One tech and one flagrant cost him fifty two thousand. Ouch. Washington. Mm, Kuzma for for that obscene shit he wears every day in his wardrobe. That's a fair take, but no, it's uh, KCP twenty five thousand. Just ten texts straight. Orlando Magic is the last one, bro. Anthony. No, uh, Robin Lopez, 27,000, six texts. What the fuck did he do? He barely played. Six texts and some and fighting. What did he leave? I think he had he that skip, fight. Was it with Lebucca? Who was? No, he, that was with Washington. He, he had a fight with he someone. What, did he skip COVID testing and go to fucking Splash Mountain in Orlando? No, uh, Disneyland. They love Disneyland, the Lopez brothers. Disney World. That, that's it, Disney World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's the debate. So some, some fun stuff with the fines. Always interesting to see who the biggest hotheads are on each team. 
Useful or useless, the Suns went after Luca 50 times as a screen defender in game two. Of those 50 times, the Phoenix Suns scored 1.72 points per chance pro. Useful or useless? That's useful. He's not fucking Bruce Bowen by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> Fair take. But yeah, just interesting that um, they went out him that much. And, and I think you got to do that. You got to try to make him, he's so valuable for him offensively that maybe you wear his legs down and that step back's not as not as fresh feeling in the fourth quarter, pro. So I like that they're trying to do that. Um, but Dallas have adjusted. It is 2-2. So Luca is the is a good one. So we had a negative for Luca. Let's go positive. Luca is the all-time playoff leading scorer. Um, what is it? At 30, 33.5 right now. Smaller sample size to MJ. MJ, the all-time leader. Um, a, a real small sample size. But he's currently the all-time leader in playoff PPG, pro. Useful, useless. I think it's useless. For now, it's useless because it's just way too small of a sample size compared to MJ's playoff appearances. But I think, look, he's going to be an iconic player. He's going to be one of the best players of all time when he's done. Um, but for now, I think it's useless because he's just been in the playoffs a few times. Not, you know, besides this year, every year was a one round and out. So I think it's useless for now just because of the small sample size. Yeah, I think it's I think it's useful though. Like he's, he's still he's doing he's doing the work. I mean, he hasn't been in deep runs. He hasn't been to finals yet. But um, I think he's going to be up there when it's all said and done. He turns it on in the playoffs. He's, you know, he has great regular seasons, but then the playoffs he goes up another another switch, and you know he'll go as far as they take him. All right, last one. The Suns are fifty two and O when leading after three quarters this season. Pro useful useless. Useful is fucking pretty. <laughs> it's pretty evident they're going to win a game if they if they're leading after three. It is very useful. They are they are tough when they're in the lead, and they they have they have that veteran group now, and that good mix. Where if they're in a game in the fourth, they're going to generally steer in their direction. But fifty two and zero is crazy. That's a that's a crazy number. Um, not one loss this season when they're up after the third quarter, which uh, which is amazing. What do you have this week? Well, I'm going to change it up, folks, because you know I thought Tatum was actually putting up more. Um, uh, I thought Tatum actually had a better st- statistical output in the playoffs. First so round, I'm he did. Say, First round, he did. Oh, that's true. You know what? Yeah, you're right. Jason Tatum has been the best player in the Eastern Conference playoffs for the remaining teams that are that are uh, that are remaining in the playoffs. Back to fake news. Yeah, fake news. Uh, just based on this series, and I think Giannis. Yeah. Giannis is the guy in the East. Probably forgot about Giannis again, but yeah, fake news that one. Yeah. Um, I'll say fake news. I'll say Giannis is the same. Yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't think of Giannis. Not the very bright, as we said, throughout uh, the last 62 shows and oh so. Uh, Luka Doncic has been the best player in the Western playoffs uh, for the teams are still available. Yeah, I'm going to go fact on that one. Um, obviously, the Warriors doing their thing, but they're more of a balanced attack as far as one player leading their team. Uh, Luka Doncic is that guy. He's, I would say even potentially yeah. the league. Uh, it'd be him, him and Giannis. As of now, I think um, are in that conversation. So, I would I would pip Giannis uh, Luca right now, um, just because I think he's having a phenomenal. We just said he's one of the all time leading scorers in, in in playoffs right now, and it's uh, it's definitely fact. Yeah, based on the based on his age, he's the best player in the league, in my opinion. You know, if you factor in everything, and you know, in the playoffs, he's been ridiculous. I mean, even when he's not putting up ridiculous numbers, he just has. Ridiculous impact in the game. So, yeah, I would agree. Last but certainly not fucking least, Duncan Robinson will get in a game this series. $90 million and can't get into a fucking game, folks. Back to fake news. Well, he's been in a game, pro. He played 0.9 minutes 
Uh, <laughs> I think. Oh, he did. Oh, my bad. My no, bad. that, that doesn't count. Right. That doesn't count. It was garbage. Um, last game, they just chucked him in there, but he hasn't played any any vital minutes or important minutes. I can't believe this guy can't crack the rotation when they, you know, because Jimmy's not the best three-point shooter at times. Oladipo's streaky. They obviously have Hero. Sometimes you just need that feet set guy that can shoot it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to say in this series, I think fact, I think they'll roll him out. I think he'll get a Corey Brewer cameo from the NBA Finals <laughs> Pro that year where he just, they put him in and it's like, who's this guy? He's on our scouting report. And he has a game where it's two or three threes, I think later in the series. They're going to have to because, as of now, uh, Philly are up, what are they up, 18 um, in the third. So it looks like they're going to they're gonna even the series out as this podcast is finishing. So it'll be 2-2. Uh, they might need to throw him in there and get some more shooting out there, Pro, because the Philly are shrinking the floor um, a lot. So I'll say fact, but geez, 90 million? I mean... It's crazy. I mean, the guy's one of the best shooters in the league, although he did, he has had a really off year this year. He went week. cold, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he's on my fantasy team. Your fault. Fuck me royally in, in, in fantasy. I had to cut him halfway through the year and then nobody else picked him up, which is saying a lot. But yeah, he, he's had an off year. I mean, the guy was automatic. And he just, you know, sometimes you have that off year, you got to recalibrate. But him and Kevin Herter, same thing. Like they signed these big deals and I don't think Herter signed a $90 million deal, but signed these big deals and just sort of struggled. Well, it's um, regular season. Uh, he's, he's 11 points a night uh, in the regular season. And... What is he? Basically, forty percent from the field, thirty-seven from three. So not horrible. Two point nine, seven point nine. Interesting, though. Yeah, really interesting. Like he can't get a sniff. I know he's bad defensively for him. They're not. They're not putting him there for defense. That's for sure. And he's going to get picked on in the pick and roll. Maybe they Who do you put him on? Uh, Tobias, James, uh, Maxi. That's probably the problem, right? Like who? Do you, who's he guarding out there? Um, I think he's guarding the assistant coach for Atlanta, and that's about it. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's the reason. But yeah, a fact, he'll get back. I think he'll get a sniff in the series at some point. Um, I think, I think that, he should, but... At least the home game. Put him on, you know, maybe late game, maybe late quarter. But um, the 90 million thing, give, you, give your agent give your agent a 10% on that commission. Jesus Christ. Um, and not a bad guy by any means, but whew, that's... I don't Crazy, know, I don't know what, what Miami were thinking. Like, especially for feet set shooters, like, okay, you can come off pin downs and move a little bit more, JJ Redick-esque. But... You know, we always refer to a Tony Snell type or someone like that for a couple of million a year. If you want a feet set knockdown that does nothing else, ninety million is a bit expensive. But who am I? Who am I to say, pro? Hey, folks, look, half the players in that league are robbing money, so might as well add one more to the list bucket, right? <laughs> Hope he gets out there. Anyway, all right, that wraps up this episode. Good one. Uh, give us your feedback. Let us know what you think of our of our crazy playoff picks and analysis and. Let's hope I'm talking with a ring on my finger next week, bro. We'll see you all next week. Folks, I'll catch you guys next week.